She's human. Even though she's not, she's human. I am Optimus Prime, and I send this message to any surviving Autobots taking refuge among the stars. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Style Guide with your host, Dave Morris and Stephen Orr. How you doing today, Dave? Wonderful, Stephen. It, that's good. That's good. You you changed it up effectively to be a robot because I am your friend. Oh, aw, you said it in a way that's a little concerning, though, like that robot voice that makes you kind of worry whether you're my friend or not. Yeah, any robot that tells you they're your friend, they're probably not your friend. <laughs> you can trust me. <laughs> but I think Data and Jordy had episodes where he was his friend like every season. And then you mean Data's the robot. Jordy's not a robot. Jordy's not a robot. All right, good. Just just double checking. Um, Jordy's a cyborg. So this is the third part of our uh, robot series. Yes, yeah. So we're we're going to uh, continue on talking about uh, robots, cyborgs, artificial intelligence, uh, Roombas, all those sorts of <laughs> yeah Android. devices. Yeah, and if you haven't uh, listened to the prior two episodes, I highly recommend you do because we're going to be picking up sort of from where we left off, and this might be kind of confusing. P- speaking of picking up where we left off, so how do you want to how do you want to take this on? Where we're talking more about the idea of a robot as a hero or a protagonist or generally a, a good a good character we're talking about good robots yeah like yeah, last, last time we talked more about the bad robots you know but not not quite about the good robots and why we fear robots so this time i, I guess the, the where to start is like why do we what what makes us like having robot characters in in movies and television and specifically i guess science fiction because robots don't really exist so uh in science fiction what makes us like having robots uh, as as characters what makes it what makes them great uh assistance or additions to a story uh whether it's through storytelling or just through uh just through fun i think i think that's a good place to start at, at first one of the things that i was i was thinking about is the idea that you never really have a robot protagonist you'll have a cyborg protagonist and maybe an android protagonist but it's it's very rare to have that sort of pure robot be the hero of a story was was my initial guess just because it's hard to you know for us to associate ourselves with robots like it's they're they're more alien and and unfeeling than than a human character would be but but then as i started to think about it more and more i I realized that there are a lot of robot main characters in in fiction and so it doesn't seem like that's as as straightforward a divide are there i mean the only the only see this is where i was thinking the only robot main characters like protagonists he like leading characters that we watch the whole thing through or read the whole thing through uh that i could think of were like cartoons hmm like i couldn't think of any uh uh, except for maybe the Transformers movie, but I think even the Transformers movie they shifted the perspective, so it's through Shia LaBeouf's right, right as the main protagonist uh, of the story. But in like the cartoon, the Transformers are the main characters, uh, and we see it through their eyes. And same with like Wally. Yep. Uh, but when I was trying to think of other things, I kept thinking, no, it always falls to uh, cartoons when you have like a robot, like robotic looking, uh, not android. Android different, robot. Uh, I couldn't think of any. Do you have any? Can you? Did you think of any where the robot is the hero? I guess the two that I was thinking of were Wally, which of course, um, and uh, and 
Transformers, but you're right, Transform, and even in in some of the Transformers cartoons, it's around. Uh, there there are a couple uh, protagonist human kid characters that are. Yeah, that was a Transformers movie. I think it followed the kid characters as like their pro 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 tags. We'll call them. <laughs> as as we like to call them on the style guide. <laughs> yeah, the the the, the, the P tags. I, I guess you're right. It's it's and, and in some ways it it makes a lot of sense where where like it, it's it's just hard for something so unlike us to be a character that we want to follow actively through a story. Yeah, and I was trying to think of like like because the other robot I think of as a main character of a movie is Johnny Five from Short Circuit. A nice old 1990s movie. Johnny Five is alive. Uh, it's great. Have you seen it? I have no idea what you're talking about. Like I short short circuit. You might have made it up. No, short circuit. It's Johnny Five. It's this like the J Five model of these robots, and one of them gets struck by lightning, and all of a sudden gets a personality and doesn't want to be a war fighter anymore, and becomes like a normal friendly person. And he sort of is the main character, but really the protagonist is. Uh, Oh, is what's his name? I can't remember the carrot guy's name anymore because he's like a, such a '90s uh, actor. Um, but he's got like frizzy hair, face. Pro- name's probably Paul. Uh, Steve Gutenberg, Ali Sheedy, <laughs> uh, Fisher Stevens. Yeah. You're so close. You're so close. Uh, it is um, Ali Sheedy is in it, but I think it's Steve Gutenberg. That must be his name. Yeah, Steve Gutenberg. Okay. Uh, nobody knows who that is, but Ali Sheedy is is also in in Short Circuit. Uh, from Breakfast Club, and I just realized it's a 1980s film, not 1990s. <laughs> yeah, it, it didn't sound like a 90s film. Uh, <laughs> it it really seemed earlier than that. But the character Johnny Five is the the quote unquote protagonist of the story. But really, it's from the the other Steve and Allie's characters, sort of meeting the robot and falling in love with each other through their adventures, saving this robot's life. It's more like ET with a robot, is what it is. And that's the thing I was thinking about the the Neil Blomkamp uh, film. Uh, he the guy who did District Nine. He he did Chappie recently, which is again. It's about a, a robot character that is kind of human-like, but the Chappie isn't really the protagonist. The The movie is, it's, it's kind of like E.T. around Chappie. And and so, yeah, the it's not often that we get that sort of character. The robot that's the hero. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas androids, it's a little easier to make an android a hero because they look human enough and we somewhat relate with them. Like Lieutenant Commander Data. He's not a protagonist, but there are stories that center around him as the main character uh, in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And we totally follow those and love them. He looks human enough. Well, and then there's the the Haley Joel Osment film AI or the, the Robin Williams Bicentennial Man, both of which... Oh, I never saw Bicentennial Man. Was it good? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you don't you, like it's it's not a it's not a film you need to see, but it they it, again, it's more the android sort of character. Mhm. And, and that's the thing, an android is something that we can see ourselves in and and doesn't require us to make a huge leap in order to do that. It's I mean, you see the same thing with like who who are the protagonists of Toy Story? Like Woody and Buzz may be toys, but they kind of look and act like human beings. Yeah, we don't we don't we don't follow Dinosaur and Mr. Potato Head. Yeah, yeah, or uh, Mr. Sketch, whatever his name is. Yeah, it's it's too they're they're too alien for for us to really want to follow, which I think is what makes Wall-E such a fascinating film. 
because they were able to kind of break that barrier for for this protagonist, who he is 100% the hero of the story, the main character, everything, and he is through and through a robot. Yeah, and that is the thing that animation can do uh, with with uh, that 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 uh, live action can't, where they can make Wally a sympathetic character and make him human like, even though he's totally a robot. Mm-hmm. You know, and they can give him human expression and human emotion to the way they draw it and the way they the, that sort of thing that it does. Like, I mean, animation has been doing it forever with like animals and like cars. And uh, other inanimate objects that we like a mouse. We follow a mouse. I know that's not an inanimate object, but you know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, things that are not human and making them, uh, personifying them and making them human like through the way they draw them. Yeah. Whereas when you build a physical robot, it doesn't look like at all like a human. Like it's hard to, to really get it, which is something that Johnny Five I thought did pretty well, but you've never seen it. Um, <laughs> where he had these eyebrows that he could like make emotions with and you kind of felt for him a little bit. But again, he wasn't the main character. So they didn't have to maintain it. You know? I'm willing to just bet right now that no one who listens to this podcast has ever seen Johnny Five. Oh man, they're all missing out. <laughs> Johnny Five is alive. Um <laughs> At one point at one point they give him an ink blot test. And he's supposed to say, because he's a robot, that it looks like ink on paper. Uh, but instead he says, butterfly. <laughs> I, think, I think maybe nostalgia is really, is really kicking this, this film up for you. It's making... It is. I will, ne- I will never rewatch no. it. But I, I think what we're getting at, too, is, is why the robot serves as such an effective side character, a sidekick to the heroes. Because moments like butterfly uh, are are cute and adorable for for the kind of the wacky and weird robot sidekick yeah what i like what i what i wrote down was uh was when we watch a robot learning to be a human we are uh seeing like our own humanity like we're watching what it means to be us oh that's you know so good so see yeah seeing it from an outsider's perspective and watching them try to be human gives us this feeling of how great it is to be human because <laughs> we get to watch something else become that. And that is the thing that makes, I think, robots as like side characters, especially the stories where it's about a robot learning to be human uh, or trying to act human or uh, especially androids trying to be human. Uh, we really identify with it because we start lear- like it's an analysis of us, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like watching data try and have a girlfriend. You know, is an analysis of like, why do we have girlfriends? What is this whole thing of romance? Like, why and why is it so great? And you're right. You know what? It is so great. Uh, and we we were the best. Humans are the best, and we pat ourselves on the back. <laughs> and I think Data is such a good example of that too. Like when Data takes care of Spot, his cat, like, and and Spot be, becomes this continuing kind of thread for Data throughout the series. And you're just like, that. There's something about it that is adorable and and childlike. Data Data seems like a small child trapped inside of a an android's body, kind of. Yeah, because he's totally innocent and, and doesn't understand the whole concept. Of yeah, it. yeah. Which which ends up being a foil for for various episodes for, um, for villains and that sort of stuff to play on. Data is so innocent that he doesn't he doesn't get it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like uh, when you have something like um, I think T uh, two, Terminator two, <laughs> right. <laughs> Where we have robots as bad guys, but we also have a robot as a good guy, uh, which is Schwarzenegger, mm-hmm. uh, who's been sent back in time as to protect John Connor. 
and there's the thing where they turn on his learning chip so now he's teaching him how to act more human and and we start seeing like a teenager teaching a robot slang words and how to high five and uh, hasta la vista baby and like all these cool things and then we watch as the robot screws it up because he's because he's not doesn't get it and slowly learn what it means and like does the thumbs up as he like sinks into the lava and it's all really emotional yeah i don't know i just had to talk about t2 which by the way i the more that i think about it, should have been called terminators like term the terminator terminators that would have been a totally legit i've been really upset about the the naming scheme for the terminator films uh this, this no week. but they, they they call it t2 because there were two terminators yeah but the first one is the terminator <laughs> and then the second yeah, one is terminator 2 so they dropped the the kind of arbitrarily um yeah, yeah i don't know i wasn't happy about i don't that. even think is it called Terminator Two? I think I thought it was called T Two Judgment Day. Well, uh, I think I think it's Terminator Two Judgment Day that gets abbreviated to T Two. All right, I'll, I'll take your I'll take your word for it. But I, I always thought it was called T Two. I'm looking it up now because no, nope, you're right. It's called Terminator Two Judgment Day. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you na- if you named a movie T Two, I I don't know what that's about. It's T Four Two. Anyway, this is a weird aside that we've gotten on. But but I think <laughs> that that teaching the robots how to be human is is I think an important part of, of that process. And even though the Transformer movies are terrible, they they also engage in that sort of enterprise where the robots have to learn what it's like to to be a human being. And uh, for some of them, that's like download all of the internet onto their computer. And for others, it's you know live with Shia LaBeouf and have him teach you what the experience of being human is like and there's something you're right so rewarding about those moments where you can see the entire development that would happen to a human being over years and decades happen you know over the course of an episode or a single movie yeah yeah the other uh, so there's another side to what i think uh, we like about sort of android characters is the empathy for them I guess this like they're not human, but they still feel and think like humans do. And therefore we start feeling for them and realizing that to be human is not to be this physical thing, but to be this way that we are, you know, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I I... like, like, yeah, like, like uh, the way humans are is not our body. It's the, the the feelings and the thoughts that we have. So if we take those feelings and thoughts and put them into an inanimate object and it becomes animated all of a sudden, it is now, we now empathize with that thing and realize that humanity it spreads out further than just the human body and human form, but more the idea of humanity. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's, it's be, being human as a verb instead of a, like a human being as a noun. Yeah, that it's, it's an it's an action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like if if uh, if if um, if a dog learned how to speak and started having feelings the way he, as complex as humans do and, and empathy for other creatures and things like that and started acting like a human, we would treat them like a human. Yeah, and that's where we get the lines in just about all of this stuff where, oh, well, data is more human than you'll ever be or whatever. Yeah, to some human who's acting like a jerk. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, so similar sorts of uh, mindsets in stuff like The Matrix or whatever. It's all 
or actually the the entirety of the movie her is is the exploration of a relationship that one character views as very human right like it's mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you're you're right you're absolutely right yeah because like i'm thinking uh, especially of things like blade runner mm -hmm. where the replicants are for all like intents and purposes know exactly how to act human and in some cases think they are human and they don't find out until after that they're not humans and we as the audience when we realize they're not humans we don't immediately think oh she that woman that he meets spoiler alert is a, is a replicant and she should be destroyed uh we think but she's she's human even though she's not she's human and we we feel for her in that same way yeah, and and some of the best episodes of say Battlestar Galactica were rooted in this sort of question, this this exploration of humanity outside of the human body and the 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 questions of well, do are they are they worthy of consideration as human beings are are they are they capable of love? Are we capable of loving them? Those sorts of things. Battlestar Galactica, at its best, was kind of able to grapple with those sorts of questions in an engaging and thoughtful way, and at its worst was just dumb. But <laughs> like it, it's it's those, it, it's it's those moments where we're we're able to really, I mean, in some ways, it's a really human centric view. Like, oh look, that robot gets to be like us. Like it 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 has evolved to the state of being like us, <laughs> which is the best way to be, of course. <laughs> yeah, and so like to unpack that a little bit, it it gets more and more absurd because there are different ways of being in the world, uh, and and not all of them are human, and human isn't necessarily the best. But that's the only vantage yeah. point we have, have to have think. Have you read uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Oh, it would have been a long time ago that I read it when I was a, a young one going through my, uh, uh, what's it called, face? Renaissance? No, I, I just can't remember the author. Um, your Great Depression? Your, uh, <laughs> I'm just naming Aerith. <laughs> no, the, who's the author of uh, Philip K. Dick when I went through my Philip K. Dick phase? Because ah, uh, I haven't read it, uh, so I, I'm not sure what it's about, but I've seen so many movies that are based on it, including Blade Runner. And so I guess what I was going to say is, what is the answer to that question? Do androids dream of electric sheep? Because uh, I haven't read the book. But do they dream of electric sheep, or do they just dream of sheep like humans do? Well, but how how can how can we know from our vantage point? That's the we don't. But like, has anyone ever asked an android what they dream of? And I guess that 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 was the, my point was: Do androids dream of electric sheep? No, they don't. They just dream of sheep because they because we made them to want to be human, I guess, and they're trying to be human. So they just dream of normal sheep, and they just act exactly like us. Like that was that was what I was going with that. <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, well, there's this great line in the Will Smith I Robot film, which I love. Um, how many great lines? There are lots of great lines in that movie, but there's this one that I want to want to read because I think it's relevant. Okay. So Will Smith's character is angrily ranting at a robot. And he says, human beings have dreams. Even dogs have dreams, but not you. You are just a machine, an imitation of life. Oof. Can a robot write a symphony? Can a robot turn a canvas into a beautiful masterpiece? And then the robot character responds, can you, to Will Smith's character, mm -hmm. as, a, as a kind of throwdown line. And, and that kind of gets at the more the the more subtle gradations it's not just like 
being human is this great thing, but there are all these different sorts of processes and, and actions that go into being human or, or being sentient, and, and not all of us can do them. Right. No. Yeah, I see. Yeah, I, I think. Um, yeah, that's that that grand theme of of humanity has some things that are amazing and great about it, and some things that are absolutely terrible and horrible about it. Yeah, but the, but even the kicker, like Will Smith's character, can't paint a beautiful masterpiece. He yeah. can't conduct a symphony. There's so much that he can't do that that is considered these great things of humanity, and and to ask any one robot that, like C three PO, can't paint. He can't like no. it's it, it's it's outside of his capacity, but maybe there is a robot that can, and you have to kind of ask enough of them or give enough of them the opportunity instead of just using a single robot as an example. Human being, in this sense, is a is a species that is greater than any individual component, mm-hmm. yeah. as opposed to robots who we seem to treat as the individual components. Yeah, like the robot has to be everything, or else it's bad. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and I think that um, that that bigger overall theme of of the good and bad of humanity comes up a lot in these movies, and I think like in in some we look at sidekick robots to show, or like robots that want to be human to show the good things about humanity, but then we also show robots who robots wanting to be human also sometimes shows the negative parts of humanity, like why would I want to be a human? You guys are the worst. Uh, I'm actually happy to be a robot. I'm better than you. You know, I'm, mo- I'm more human than human. I'm better than a human because I can think logically and you're so emotional, you know? So, like, we we see the good and bad about humanity in these characters that we've made to try to be us. And part of it, I guess, is, like, that that acceptance that being human is the imperfect and the... And, and being flawed and and the idea that a robot is more is is perfect it's it's not going to have those flaws it's not going to make emotional decisions it's not going to make mistakes whereas uh, whereas human beings like that's part of the experience of being human or it's supposed to be yeah and that that weird sort of paradox that we try to get away with in these movies that like our flaws are what make us perfect <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, and show that that's what makes us better than robots is that we are human and we are not perfect because <laughs> yeah one that's one of the things that i absolutely love about the star wars universe is mm-hmm. is how there are some robots and there are cyborgs uh, all throughout that and and there are different gradations of robot and machine and that sort of stuff but it never is this debate about, you know, our own humanity. Robots are definitely treated as second-class citizens in, in that uh, universe. Yeah, we don't serve their kind. <laughs> yeah, but, but it feels more like it's a, it's a casual sort of racism than it's a, a statement about the greatness of humanity. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it, it it just it feels like the the Star Wars universe has decided, yeah, robots can do all these sorts of things, some of them better than humans, some of them worse. But it's not like we're we're going to be racist against them because they're not us, not because we're we're necessarily better than them. And in fact, like C3PO is better than a lot of the characters. R2D2 is better than a lot of the characters, but it's never I don't know, it, it doesn't feel like it ever walks that same kind of stupid line of how great human beings are that we see in a lot of robot fiction. 
Yeah, and uh, I think, um, yeah, the Star Wars universe does it in such a way where each individual droid has its own personality. Mm -hmm. And so that means that, like, other R2 units aren't as good as R2-D2. And uh, other, um, whatever C-3PO type is, (laughs) other uh, protocol droids aren't as good as C-3PO and don't have the experience that gives them the personality he has, you know? So, like, that, that changes them into more, like, people... In the sense that they aren't all good and they aren't all bad and they're all kind of flawed and different in different ways. And that, yeah, I think the casual racism is exactly what it is. Because it's like Han Solo treats droids terribly, but he also treats other species ter- terribly sometimes too. Uh, you know, so he just treats everybody, even humans sometimes. Han Solo's just a jerk. Let's just, let's just say that. Yeah, but, but it... Like Luke ends up treating them better, the the droids better, because Luke isn't as predisposed to the kind of casual racism that some of the other characters have. And that, to me, ends up telling a more interesting story than just the, well, robots are trying to be human. Yeah. There aren't really any robots in the Star Wars universe except uh, that are trying to be human, except maybe General Grievous in the expanded universe, blah, 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 who cares? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and so there's one other thing that we like about having robots and AI in movies that we don't think we've even talked about yet is that it gives the heroes just sort of like a super sidekick. Oh, yeah. Like Star Trek uh, TNG uh, with Data. Uh, how many episodes do they make it out of a hard spot because of Data? Mm-hmm. Like, like 80%? <laughs> yeah. Of yeah. the episodes, it's like, oh, no, all the oxygen's gone on the ship and everybody passes out except for Data. Because he doesn't need to breathe. <laughs> uh, so, like, uh, or everyone's evol- de-evolving, except for Data, because he doesn't de-evolve. Uh, and he, he saves the day. Uh, so many times Data saves the day because he's super uh, and can do amazing calculations in his head. Uh, and same with, like, like, like Iron Man and having Jarvis in his, in his helmet. It's mm-hmm. like, that just gives him this extra superpower that he has this computer that he can say, Jarvis, do this, and he does it all. Uh, or Ender with Jane in his ear. Um, and I mean, John Connor with Terminator, to an extent, he has this robotic super bodyguard, you know? So like, uh, that that is something that, who wouldn't want to have an artificial intelligence assistant in their ear at all times that actually works and can do stuff? Yeah, that's, and, and they're, they're capable of doing things faster, better, stronger than any human being. So of course they're they're great. They're the things we want. Yeah, that that definitely is such an important part of it. And, and we haven't really touched on like the cyborg main character yet. And I think that this is kind of a, an interesting bridge between these two that we're talking about because there are lots of cyborg protagonists. Um, cyborg protagonists as in people that have mechanical uh electronic things attached to their bodies that they control yeah yeah not not just like glasses they wear no no to 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 go back to my earlier definition no it's it's a biological technical hybrid where they control the technology in some way and i mean one like you yes luke skywalker becomes a a cyborg uh but in a way that doesn't matter whatsoever really to the story like it's it's not as if his robotic hand ends up really being part of the plot does yeah. it ever i'm trying um, to think there is a moment where somebody shoots him and hits him in the hand 
right? Doesn't he get hit in the hand with a laser at one point? A blaster, but yes. A blaster, sorry, yeah. He gets hit in the hand with a blaster when he has, like, his lightsaber in the air, and it he goes, ow, and he pulls it down, but it doesn't, like, you know, because it's a cyborg arm, it saves him or something like that. Yeah, but, like, the, it's such a, a minor facet, as opposed to characters like RoboCop or characters like Inspector Gadget, where their cyborgness is is an essential component of them and the story that they're in and without it or will smith and i robot without that it would be a very different kind of story and and those are those i find really like even expector gadget i find to be kind of an interesting sort of question about uh the the degree to which you're still human or not right yeah it's that whole like uh, what's that? Uh, uh, is it the Hermes paradox or something like that? It's not Hermes, but it's a guy's name who starts with an H, who takes his boat out into the, into the sea, and gets it damaged, and he comes back, and they replace the parts, and he goes out again, it comes back damaged, they replace the parts, and they keep replacing all the parts until it's essentially a brand new ship, and he still goes out in it. Is it still the same ship? Mm, mm. Or is it a different ship now? And if you took all the parts that they replaced and like the the, uh, the stuff they took out and put it together again, and had now two ships, which one is the real ship and which one is you know that 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 question of if you replace everything in your body, when do you stop being human and start being a robot with organic components as opposed to organic components with robotics? That's what you're saying, right? Yeah. Well, and this is exactly the like that's the core question of robocop for the entire film and for most of the series uh you know uh murphy murphy yeah yeah. like when does murphy disappear from that and and it becomes this this facsimile of murphy that that pretends at being him but isn't and and for me that's such a cool sort of we we can kind we can appreciate that question in our day-to-day lives because there's a version of that that goes on as we get older, as we grow up, as we become different people. The the people that we once were kind of go away. And so we get to kind of engage with that question on a really basic level. But films like RoboCop or even things like Inspector Gadget allow us to ask those questions in a grander sort of way. Yeah, and the new RoboCop even takes it further, I think, where where Murphy is like in the suit and they have like an artificial battle simulation thing that they can run so it takes over the suit for him and starts doing all the action stuff huh so he thinks he's he thinks he's doing it but he's not actually doing it the robot part is doing it so but the thing is that means that the robot's killing people not him so it's this moral question of the cop isn't the one making the choice because when the cop makes a choice it's too slow uh but when the robot makes a choice it's way quicker Huh, that's kind of an interesting sort of way to take the series. Yeah, and I mean, that's the coolest part of the new one. <laughs> the rest of it's kind of weird. You, you, don't, you don't like the robotic abs that he has? No, those are fine. Uh, that part's fine. How it looks is fine. <laughs> that doesn't bother me. And like, I've said it a couple times, but now since I've said it, like, I'll, I'll actually talk. Like, ro- the Inspector Gadget. What, what's interesting to me about Inspector Gadget is is not that I'm not pretending that this child's cartoon is is grappling with moral issues in the same same deep and meaningful way that say well anything else is, but it's it's such a an interesting take where 
the question isn't so much is Inspector Gadget human, but who's really the inspector here? Like, which is who is it Penny who is behind the scenes doing everything, or is it Inspector Gadget who is kind of being manipulated into it? And it and it still it still grapples with that question of humanity, but on a kind of lower lower level in a more I guess straightforward way. Yeah. Does that make sense? Um, I think I understand what you're saying. I, I just, I kind of see Inspector Gadget as, as asking the same sorts of questions as RoboCop does, but doing it in, in obviously kind of a more, more friendly environment. Yeah, or, I mean, I, I think I, I, would, I would phrase it like that Inspector Gadget poses the same questions, but RoboCop is more asking it intentionally. Whereas Inspector Gadget, it just happens to be posing that question by existing, you know, like. Um, yeah, so maybe, think, maybe you're right. I mean, although you are correct in the sense that like Penny, who's really doing everything behind the scenes, they might have made that like the personification of his gadgets, like the fact that he's not really in control and it's he's not he's a terrible inspector and his gadgets are the only thing that make him cool. So is the gadgets the thing that are solving the crimes or is it him? Yeah, that's kind of more what I was trying to get at. Yeah. But maybe maybe it needs to be unpacked more before I I share that thought on a podcast. <laughs> no, I think it was I think it was uh it was perfect. And then I'm thinking uh, cuz that is one of the the questions that comes up in this is is uh Yeah, especially with RoboCop. The new RoboCop really does it. Well, but it's also I mean, it it, it does expand to that sort of like, is this a human being solving this, or or have we have we become something else, or have we lost something of our humanity in having robots do it? And that's Battlestar Galactica. That's that's RoboCop. That's that's Inspector Gadget. That's a lot of the questions that come up around the use of technology. Yeah, and and sort of like in our last episode about like the fears that uh, the fears that robots cause in us like this idea that we're replacing ourselves yeah uh and they're gonna and we're gonna become extinct by these robots it's the same thing with uh when with the protagonist like this except it's like the question is are we literally replacing ourselves with robotics <laughs> to the point that the human is no longer necessary uh to be human and that's in the matrix too but that's what wally is right like wally is such a lovely fun little character but there's something really insidious about characters like wally who are robots that take over everything that human beings were doing to the point where the human beings are, are just these fat things that sit in floating chairs. Yeah, and and that's a really that's a really insidious message coming from such a lovely wonderful protagonist. Yeah, true. Yeah. What what is the cost of relying on these things that aren't human? Do we become something else that we won't like? And and Wally takes one extreme version of that but there are lots of different ways to take it mm -hmm. and and it doesn't you don't need you know the agent smith character from the matrix to get there it could be having wally or like or c-3po maybe we end up relying on these things so much that we lose lose the ability to to be human and and communicate in the world in the way that we thought or in the way that we thought was human before Mm hmm. Hmm. Neat. So like um, Alien, the series of Alien films, mm -hmm. there's the uh, the Winona Ryder character in Alien Resurrection. 
that uh, I want to bring up now because I think it kind of fits in here with what you're sort of what you're talking about is that uh, for those of you who have not watched Alien Resurrection uh, because you were warned not to in it Winona Ryder's character is uh, we find out sorry she we don't know at the beginning but we find out that she's an android because that's the alien thing is someone has to be revealed as an android and she but she's good and she is from a bunch of androids that were designed by androids so she's like the second generation now and she's on the ship to try to sabotage this because the, she doesn't want the aliens to get out because they are evil basically is like she's an android who's trying to save humanity mm-hmm. which is this thing of uh, of what you're sort of talking about is that the humans are not trying to save humanity, but all of a sudden this android is trying to be the one who's going to save humanity. And we've basically we replaced our, our we've become the villains of our own story and the android has become the hero of our story. Yeah, yeah. That's I think that that absolutely fascinating grapple that that I you're right, when you when you bring up the terrible film Alien Resurrection it, that that theme seems like it is fairly strong it, throughout throughout the throughout a lot of these films and like in some ways that's the fi- the theme of RoboCop right he he wants to serve and protect better than the police do yeah right the police are either corrupt or too scared and have given up and and Murphy as this robot character has an enduring belief in the human in human beings and wants to save them yeah and so the robots are saving humans more than the humans are saving humans and the yeah and the humans are the enemies to themselves correct me if i'm wrong alien resurrection uh, sigourney weaver is a clone in that one too right yeah she's like a uh, like version nine or something like that yeah so she's a clone of the the original character so in some ways like it's it's enhancing that theme even further because she's further removed from being human than these other, than the rest of the characters, and yet she still wants to save the human humans more than they want to save themselves. Yeah, yeah, it's it's neat. And actually, you know something I just realized about the Alien movies just now mm-hmm. is that uh, if another one comes out, the android will be good, because it seems to alternate bad, good, bad, good, bad, good, bad, good. <laughs> In Alien, the android's bad. In Aliens, the android's good. In Alien 3, there isn't an android, but the guy who plays one of the androids shows up and he's bad. And then in the fourth one, the android's good. And then in uh, Prometheus, the android's bad. So if there's another one, the android would be good. Well, the the good news is there is going to be another one. Oh, good. It's coming out uh, next year. It's called Alien Covenant. Well, you know who you know what the android's going to be in that one? He's going to be good. He's going to be good. Got to go back and forth. <laughs> He, it, Michael Fassbender is coming back, so, you know. David? Yeah, David. Oh, well, he's going to be good this time. He's going to realize that last time he shouldn't have turned a human into a slug monster. I have no idea if it's a sequel or a prequel, but regardless, like, it's one of those things where uh, we're going to see another version of of androids and another version of AI come back in that, and... In in some ways, it those movies feel weirder and weirder as technology has evolved, and and I guess Star Wars is one of those few franchises that doesn't like where where the evolution of technology around us 
hasn't changed the relationship to technology in in the in the universe that it's in. Yeah, because they said it far a long, long time ago in the galaxy far, far away. Yeah. Sorry, you were gonna say. No, that's all. I was just saying they said it in such a far away place in a different time, like uh, uh, that the technology doesn't doesn't have to fit, fit with our technology at all. Uh, yeah. And so the fact that they have like these like very like broken down, crappy spaceships uh, and droids that are all rusty. Uh, and yet still have, like, the control of lasers they have with lightsabers. So it's, like, so far advanced than we we are, but looks so much junkier. Doesn't matter because it's a totally different universe. Part, part of me uh, is thinking about this because of the um, Lost in Space series. Uh, they're, they're doing a remake of it, apparently, pretty soon. And okay. in Lost in Space, they, they have, uh, I think they just call it Robot or whatever it is, um, mm. that... In the original series, it seemed maybe kind of cheesy, but it 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 fit with the the kind of mood and understanding of technology at the time. And then they remade the the Lost in Space movie, and they had the robot come back with, oh, who was the Matt LeBlanc from Friends? He was in the in the film, and in the remake, the robot was it, it felt so out of place and strange because our understanding of technology had changed so much and maybe it was just a bad film but even <laughs> even things like star star trek where like a character like data i think would feel more out of place in a today's star trek than like voyager doesn't have like a, an android character it has seven of nine the borg and and she's really just a human being in, in, in that. And it's exploring, you know, her return to humanity in a very different way. And, and, and it feels like as, as our technology has evolved, our relationship to androids and robots has had to evolve too. Yeah. Okay, I see what you're saying. Um, I, think, uh, I think our relationship to androids and robots has remained the same. Like the way humans relate to them and think about them and feel about them has more or less remained the same but the 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 capabilities and the way the android acts has evolved to be more and more human hmm. does that make sense yeah yeah like like i think i think if r2d2 uh was was made today brand new and there had been no history of that character or those kinds of droids in star wars and you went and saw a movie where someone had this robot that could talk to him, but only talked in beeps and boops. It would feel really old-fashioned and weird, and like a, a weird, like no, not not a not a a, a, a realistic-looking droid, you know. Whereas because it has such a legacy and it's like a he's such he's like a character now, we we accept R two D two because like what you're saying with a lost in space android or robot is that in the original 1950s thing it was fine but in the modern day one why would you have a robot like that that's just useless <laughs> like yeah if you're gonna make a robot make it speak english at the very least you know like c-3po sure yeah but he just beeps and boops yeah maybe maybe that's it like maybe maybe you're right in the in the way that have, have you heard of westworld this hbo series uh, I've heard of it, and I think I understand the premise, but I've never seen an episode of it. So feel free to talk about it. I haven't seen it either. Is the thing, and but it's it's 
it's a science fiction western, which is more or less my that's yeah. That's, Don't, I'll, I'll, I can tell you the premise as far as I understand it. It's like a vacation world where rich people go to pretend to be cowboys, and they get to play cowboy with all these androids. Uh, so you can actually shoot people, and you can actually rape people, and you can actually whatever be cowboys. And they're all androids, so it doesn't matter. But the androids have like a life as, uh, among themselves as well, and they're sort of gaining more and more sentience and becoming more human, I guess. And that's what the story follows. Yeah, yeah. So that that fits with more or less what I know about the show. And and the thing is, that seems to be the kind of story that I would have a hard time imagining in the '80s, or or in the you know '60s, like that that kind of relationship to to robots or androids seems seems so new to me it seems something really particular to our day and age mm, yeah okay now i think i understand what you're saying and it's not just the look of the robot it's our our ability to empathize with them yeah because because you're right like like the original star wars in the in all Star Wars, droids are still slaves mm-hmm. to humans. There, there's human sidekicks that you own a droid and you sell a droid. Mm-hmm. And nowadays, we are at a point with androids that we like data. We feel like they should have their own, make their own choices, and they should like we've made them, so we shouldn't control them. They are people now. Let's give them the ability to be people and make their own choices. And so Westworld is sort of exploring that, like. We made these people, and now we're abusing them. And, and how do they feel about it? Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, it shows up in Battlestar Galactica as well, and it shows mm-hmm. up in, in in a in a bunch of different things. And I because yeah. I, I, the original Battlestar Galactica, correct me if I'm wrong, is more just humans fighting robots. Yep, it's very Doctor Whoian, uh, where there's just robot bad guys that you kill. But the modern day one is much more about who deserves to be alive. The us or the silence, they're human. And it's as much making us question ourselves as it is our relationship to technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, neat. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, because we also get that with Ex Machina. Yep. We get that a little bit. Like I, I guess that sort of started in the 90s or late 80s even, where it started to shift more to questioning whether or not androids are are slaves or allowed to be their own people um and then get it gets even further towards that as we go on oh that's neat yeah and i and part of this may just have to do with our our development in in special effects and that sort of stuff where we can have robots that blur the line between humans much better Mm-hmm. Whereas you know the robot from Lost in Space, no one is ever going to ever believe that that is capable of being human. But when we have these characters on Battlestar Galactica that can look look human but have robotic or or or, or show robotic components and that sort of stuff, or in presumably Westworld or whatever, like Alien. Alien did it okay, right? Like the special effects kind of hold up a mm-hmm. little bit, yeah. But but you can see the seams in it where we're getting further and further away from those seams in in contemporary storytelling. Yeah, and you know, I think if you look at just like um, movies and their sequels, uh, start with like The Matrix. In The Matrix, the computer's just the bad guy, and they're bad, and they hate humans, and we kill them. 
But in the sequels to The Matrix, they start exploring that idea of like programs having personalities and lives. And we learn that the Oracle is a program and this is a program and that's a program and they're people. And like the the guy in the train station he meets who like has a wife and kid and they're like, you know, just trying to like live their life and all this sort of stuff <laughs> that that programs are more people. So like it goes from like classic bad guys to more like people. Terminator. Terminator, first one, just a bad robot that trying to kill people that you have to destroy. In T2, wait a minute, these robots, maybe they have the ability to learn and feel and, and personalities of their own, and we shouldn't just kill them, uh, and so on and so forth, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, I get you. I get you. I'm picking up what you're putting down. So this draws into question, uh, how, again. Because mm. one of the beautiful things about how in Space Odyssey is that it's it's one of the first times we did start empathizing with a computer, right? Where when Hal's being dismantled, that scene where he's taking him apart and he sings Daisy in really slow motion, is is the first time you start feeling like, oh my gosh, this computer is pleading uh, for its life. It's begging. It doesn't want to die. And it's singing. And it's kind of sad that it's dying. Yeah. Uh, which makes, the, I guess, is one of the reasons, one of the other reasons that movie is so uh, groundbreaking is because it, it was the first to really do that, as far as I know. Yeah, I, I I don't know of anything that had done it prior. And in some ways, that that to me feels like it was a perfect combination of writing, directorial skill, and just kind of the right choices. You know, I there's it it just all comes together so perfectly to get across that that sadness and and i think that it very easily couldn't have worked and wouldn't have worked if if it was a different song or if someone someone else had been directing it i don't know i just it seems such a a moment out of time mhm yeah cool well, that's beautiful man um so um uh anything else you want to talk about about heroes and sidekicks and things like that no, I mean, I think I think for the most part we've covered it. You know, we've we've kind of come around on the the idea, and I think grappled a little bit with what makes it such an interesting uh, moment or or a use villain thing. You know what I'm trying to say? What makes them so interesting? Yeah, and and uh, a useful tool for storytelling. And, and that's the way to say it. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So uh, so this is the, sort of the end of our robot series. So. Well, let's, uh, let's move into some final thoughts on robots and, and this, this whole the whole thing we've been talking about for the last three weeks. To me, I mean, I guess I've always kind of thought of it this way, but just talking about it helped solidify it, that, that uh, stories about robots are, are stories about people. And this comes up so much on this podcast, that, that the stories we tell about something else are actually stories about us. When we're talking about zombies, we're actually talking about us. When we're talking about aliens, we're actually talking about us. Uh, and robots is the same sort of thing where it's it's about an android, but it's not an android's becoming a human. It's about a killer robot, but it's really about the reasons humanity needs to be killed. Uh, so it, it's never a story about what it is to be a robot. It is what it is to be a human, uh, even though the main character is a robot or android or cyborg or AI, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and I think that's just like more clear now than it ever was yeah no you're you're definitely right and it makes me think about my my favorite series that has something to say about robots or ai or whatever is the dune series and i mean surprise surprise that that's my favorite but it the, they're in the dune the dune books there aren't any robots there's no ai whatsoever mm -hmm. 
because mm-hmm. at some point in the in the far past there was there was an event where human beings had something go so spectacularly wrong that they they have now mythologized this thou shalt not make a an artificial mind in the likeness of a human mind it it is it is it, it is not merely against the law it is against all forms of morality mm-hmm. and so in the dune universe there are no robots whatsoever there are no androids there's no artificial intelligence and and the the loss of that capacity has forced human beings to make certain choices about the things that they want to do about their capacities about about their own individual evolution um, and and development and and it's able to without ever really showing an android say some really interesting things about our relationship to technology and our reliance on it in 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 such a cool and interesting way without ever bringing it up without ever showing those 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 creatures that are so common in the science fiction genre and and so i think the dune series does it really in a in a kind of cool way grappling with these exact same questions hmm. that's uh yeah so the lack of robots talks about robots <laughs> yeah and and our, our fiction is going to have to further and further get into that because we are getting closer and closer to like the movie her is set in the near future. We're not that far away off, we we feel, from Siri doing things kind of like the main characters, the the Samantha character and her. Just because we know how quickly technology is moving. Mm-hmm. And yes, we don't think we're ever we maybe we don't actually think we're ever going to have a robot that is or a, an AI that is that human. But it seems more possible than it did a decade ago. Yeah, and then because it's more possible, the ethics of it become more and more real and actually worth thinking about. Yeah, and and if our science fiction fails to to grapple with these sorts of questions, it'll seem it'll seem unbelievable. If our if our science fiction just pretends that androids and robots and AI aren't around, we're we're going to probably go, well, that seems silly because in a hundred years, they're going to be the new norm for us. Yeah, and and yeah, so yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's close enough that we can start thinking about it seriously. Yep. And that's maybe why our stories are starting to get more serious about it, and less fun, silly. Look at these robots uh, that are comic relief, or our robot nanny whose name is uh, what's the maid in the Jetsons called? I don't know, but that has always felt racist to me. Just Rosie, super racist. Name Rosie, yeah. yeah, Rosie. That's it. So like this, this like uh, that's how the robots started showing up in pop culture, and now they are things like Wally, where we actually feel for them and, and and have empathy for them, because we're getting closer and closer to a point where we're gonna have to, and so the our, our fiction is helping us, as it often does, feel our our emotions about things that we have not experienced uh, so that we can then be ready for that in the real world. Hmm. Interesting. Well, well, that was nice talking, man. Nice series. Really good talking about robots. And uh, thank you for listening. Everyone who's been listening and uh, Steve-O eradicate. What a robot. What's a robot thing to say? Um, I'll be back. We'll be back. I'll be back is fine. <laughs> <laughs>